The reading this morning is uh, Matthew chapter 2 from verse 1, and David's going to read it. Okay, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 23, and uh, page 9266 in the Pew Bibles. The Magi, the Magi visit the Messiah. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, who were two years and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called 
a Nazarene. Thanks be to God for this reading from his word. Well, what did you get? That's what I ask all the children when I see them in church uh, on Christmas morning and this morning. What did you get? Uh, Some of them can't remember, uh, but uh, most of them can. And let me tell you what I got. I got a new smartphone. Now, it, it, it wasn't, I, I got it before Christmas, and it wasn't exactly new. Uh, Ruth got the new one, and I got hers. You, you know the way these things work. But it, it's, maybe you've seen these things before. I, I'm told they've been around for a while, but you, you can press the front of it, and it does things. And have I got it right? Yes. And really, I'm I'm interested in it because you can send pictures and receive pictures, and I get pictures of the family. And it's amazing what you can do with it because it it comes in in an email, and then if you you tap it, now it takes a while to get the hang of tapping, but if you tap it right, it it fills the, whatever you call it, the screen, yes, the screen. And then you you can do something with your two fingers and you, I'll, I'll explain it to you later, Bran. I know you want to know about this. <laughs> you, you, you do that, and, and it brings up details. It, have you got one of these things? And then you can, you can flick it, and it moves to one side or to the other. And if there's somebody in the picture that you don't particularly like, you can flick to the other side. <laughs> now, I was, I was playing with this, and it struck me that This is just like the nativity stories. Matthew tells us some some things about the nativity, and that's on one side of the picture. And Luke tells us some other things, and that's on the other side of the picture. Mark doesn't tell us anything, so he doesn't figure at all during the Advent season. And John, he, he, I don't know how you get it to go way back and get the broad perspective because John chapter 1 gives us the, the birth of Christ in its eternal dimensions. It begins, in the beginning, God. But have you noticed that during Advent, we have been focusing on what Matthew tells us? And I was thinking, it's interesting, what are the things in the story that Matthew doesn't tell us, but Luke does? Hmm. Don't shout out because you're all well brought up. Um, But think about that. What is in Luke that Matthew doesn't tell us? Well, there are no shepherds in Matthew. There's no choir of angels in Matthew. There's no journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. There's no uh, packed in, no stable, no manger. 
there's, that is all details which Luke gives us. Matthew, while there's some overlap in the story, of course there is, but he stresses other things, and we've seen this uh, during the, the Advent series of sermons. Uh, Drew took us to the beginning of Matthew 1, and it's all about, didn't you call it Jesus' CV? Yeah, I wasn't very happy about that because it wasn't a job, but never mind, we, we differ. But he, he took us to Jesus' CV, which is uh, who begat whom, where Jesus came from. And then later on in chapter 1, we get, uh, and Frank was expounding this through the Advent candles, the names of Jesus, wonderful counselor and all the rest. Uh, and then we end up in Matthew 1 with, what are the two names? Ah, this is embarrassing. What are the two names that we were thinking above, about and were stressed? Emmanuel, God with us, and his name, Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And this morning, we come to another thing that Luke doesn't have, the wise men or the Magi. And as we turn to Matthew 2, let's pray and seek the Lord's help. O oh Lord, you led the wise men by a star and Joseph by dreams. And so this morning, lead us to Jesus through the foolishness of preaching and by the work of your spirit, lead us to worship him and like the wise men bring our gifts to him. Amen. The wise men or magi, um, people my age prefer the wise men uh, because I don't know what magi really means. Uh, anyway, the, the, the wise men came to uh, Herod and what did they say? It, it'll help if you look at the, the text. They came to him in, uh, from the east, maybe uh, Persia, Iran, maybe Arabia, doesn't really matter. They came from that part and they asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, it... Uh, I didn't know we were going to focus on light this morning and shine and this little light of mine and how I struggle when I'm in the pulpit uh, to know whether I should do this sort of stuff or be a proper minister. And it is a struggle. But there, you'll have your own view and you'll tell me afterwards I know what I should do. But, but uh, I want to start off by saying that, well, telling you of an experience I had. Uh, it was in the tropics where we lived. It was in a remote place in the tropical bush. 
where there was absolutely no artificial light. It was a cloudless night and it was a moonless night. And on that night, I was gobsmacked as I looked into the sky and there was this beam of light right across from one part, from one side of the sky to the other, the Milky Way. We are used in this country uh, to light pollution. Light isn't always a good thing. It is in the circumstances we were thinking of with the children. But light pollution isn't a good thing. It dims and prevents us from seeing other things. And I saw the Milky Way in all its glory, as I think I've never seen it before, nor have I seen it since. And I realized why in the ancient world the stars were so important. They didn't have street lights. They didn't have uh, lights in the home. They had very primitive oil lamps that as soon as they didn't need them, they put them out. They saw the heavens. And the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. We were singing about it. And that brings me to the the, the first thing that strikes me in this very familiar passage. And what is that? It's about how the Lord communicates. What struck me in these two chapters as as I've reread them was the different ways the Lord communicates. The the first thing is, the the wise men, they were led by a star. This was the result of their study of the heavens. They were astronomers, astrologers, scientists, philosophers, all that kind of, of wisdom, ancient wisdom wrapped together. And by their study, they discerned a new star and rightly interpreted it as one that would lead them to a new king. We have much to learn from nature. Many of us are watching at the moment, is it Planet Earth 2 with David Attenborough? And it's amazing what we're, what we're learning about animals and plants and all the rest. And nature reveals God's glory. When I saw the Milky Way, I, I was led to awe and wonder, just, wow, the greatness, the beauty of what God has made 
points to a creator. And it points to the smallness of our human condition. And yet, the Psalms also tell us, David said when he, when he considered the heavens, he thought, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Isn't it Psalm 8? Or the son of man that you visit him? And yet, we are small and tiny. And in <clears throat> terms of the created universe, uh, insignificant. And yet, we are made in the image of God, a little lower the Almighty himself. We have revelation through science and nature and observation. But it's not enough. It's not enough. Herod, when he heard about the king, verse uh, 3, we're told that he was greatly disturbed. And he was a king with paranoia. And some of his close relatives were executed when he thought they were threatening his position as king. He didn't tolerate any possible rival. <clears throat> we see that later in, this, in the story when he massacres the young boys. He was having no other king. He was greatly disturbed. And he said to his learned men, well, where is this king going to be born? And where did they find out? They went to the scriptures. They went to the scriptures. Nature points toward a creator. Points towards a creator. But the scriptures gives details of what he's like and why he has created things. Science can can study and seek to answer the question, how? How are things made? How do they work? How do they come together? What are the various components? But science can never answer the question, why? Indeed, the scientists say it's an inappropriate question. Nobody can answer the question, why? But of course we can as Christians, because in the Scriptures... We have clear information, revelation of the kind of God God is and his purposes for this world, for every individual, for you and for me. And notice in uh, the passage uh, how often in these two chapters you get the, the statement as, uh, as it throughout Matthew's gospel, this was done to fulfill what had been written by the prophet saying, how the scriptures were fulfilled <clears throat> in the nativity story. Yes, observation and science, and God speaks through it, but more especially through the scriptures. And then through the, the personal revelation which he gives to Joseph and to the wise men. Notice the role which dreams play in this passage. The number of times uh, we, we read of dreams. 
Matthew focuses on Joseph's difficulties. Difficulty one. He was engaged to a a young girl who was pregnant and he didn't know who the father was. And so, as a just man, we read, he wanted a quiet divorce. He didn't want to humiliate her. He didn't want to see her rejected by society. He just wanted quietly to solve the situation. And then God spoke to him directly. The angel of the Lord through a dream. That's in chapter 1, verse 20. In chapter 2, verse 12, the the, the wise men, when they have met the Savior, presented their gifts to him, then they had planned to go back and tell Herod as Herod had asked. But they were prevented. How? By a dream. Chapter 2, verse 12. Chapter 2, verse 13. Joseph has another dream, and it's a scary one. It's a direct command. Take uh, the child and his mother and leave immediately for safety. And we know he got up in the middle of the night and set off for Egypt, where he found sanctuary until uh, Herod, that particular Herod, had died. And then when he had died, he had another dream, 2.19. Go back to the land of Judah. And then when he got there, another dream. Don't stay here because Archelaus, Herod's son, is as bad as Herod. Go north. And so finally he went to safety in uh, Galilee and they uh, go back to Nazareth. So, here we have in this passage revelation by nature, revelation by the scriptures, and revelation by God speaking directly to us, applying the scriptures. Now, direct revelation will never lead us to do something that's contrary to the revealed will of God. You're having uh, problems in your marriage uh, and you say to your beloved, who's no longer your beloved, uh, I'm telling you, the Lord has revealed to me that I must go after this wee cutty and sorry, goodbye. Now, that's not the Lord uh, revealing anything to you. That's you deciding what you want to do and blaming it on the Lord. The Lord doesn't reveal things that go against his clear will as revealed in the scriptures. But the Lord does speak to us individually. You know, that that idea comes to your mind. You read the scriptures and you see it confirmed. You pray about it and again it's confirmed. The Holy Spirit applying the word to our lives and giving us direction. I have never been led by a dream. I don't dream very much. I don't know about you. Either I sleep or in the middle of the night I think about sermons. That's my, what I do. 
Sometimes you think, well, he thought about that very early, but never mind. But God reveals, this passage talks about how God reveals himself. And that was new to me as I studied it. Secondly, it it stresses that God is with us in chapter 1, Emmanuel. But that doesn't mean that God is in our pocket. Jesus is my personal Savior, and it's wonderful to be able to say that honestly and with conviction, but that doesn't mean that he does what we want. God is with us that we might worship and serve him. The wise men, the magi, they were big shots. They had uh, the authority where they could go directly to Herod. Not many could do that. They were wealthy men. They brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. Very, very expensive, the second two perfumes. Very expensive. They weren't kings, and uh, that was an issue I had with we three kings from Orient are. The, the scripture nowhere calls them kings. And there weren't three of them. At least we don't know how many of them there were. But that's later Christian tradition. We simply don't know how many they were. But they were important. And when they came to Jesus, they gave him of their wealth. They gave him gold and incense and myrrh, precious, precious uh, ointments. And we are called. God is with us. God has come into this land, every land, into this community, every community. God is with us, and our response is to serve. What can we bring? What can we bring? The, the, the last verse of In the Bleak Midwinter. What can I give him poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what I can, I give him. Give my heart. Our lives, our service, our worship, our praise. We may not think it's very much, but it's all that the Lord requires and desires. And that's a challenge to us all this morning. And to not go with the other king. Two kings. King Jesus and King Herod. And not to follow him and his ways. Be he the king of material things. Or the king of political things. Or the king's 
of advancement or anything else. And I know you're as disappointed as I am that we haven't appeared in the honors list. Maybe next year, maybe not. But that is not what we're seeking. Last point. In this passage, we see how God protects his son. How God protects his son. How he provides for him. Nowhere to stay, and there's a stable. Nowhere to lay him, and there's a manger. Not what anyone would have expected of a king, or even of any child. But God provided, and it was enough. Great danger, a furious king about to destroy a community's children. And Joseph, in the middle of the night, is led to take him to Egypt. Then when that danger diminishes, he is brought back. But there was still a problem, and so he's taken up to the north where it is completely safe. God cares for us, his children, because he cared for his only son. And through faith and by his grace, we're brought into that family. What kind of year has the past year been? Well, I suppose if you're like the Adleys, it's had its high points and its low points. For us, highs are totally unexpected but delightful new grandson who was with him, with us for, I think, a week. And uh, with joy, we received him. And with joy, I waved goodbye on Friday. <laughs> but simply a delight. Um, my health is much better. And thank you, people who ask me how I'm doing. It's been a good year. I feel much stronger than I did Last year, those were the highs. The lows in our family, uh, one of our, in the wider family circle, one of our dear ones is in the final stages of a terminal illness. And these things happen, and we all have to face them and deal with them as God gives us his help. But through it all, through it all, God cares for us. That's what I want you to hold on to as you enter a new year. He cares. And bring to him now, not our wealth, we don't have wealth. A share of the good things he gives us, yes. Our health insofar as we have it. What we have, bring it to the Savior and go forward in faith and hope and love. Let us pray.
we look back with thanksgiving, with praise in worship. We think of how the Savior has never failed us. But we acknowledge that we have failed him. And not only him, but members of our family and so many others. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have been to us in the past year. Forgive us for how we have failed. We look forward. Thank you, Lord, for the assurance of your presence. We do not know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. And enable us by your Spirit to go forth with courage and faith and hope, praying that we will be enabled to show and share the love of Jesus and the hope of the gospel as it is poured into our open and emptied hearts. And this we pray in his precious name. We come now to our prayers of, of intercession. Let us pray together. Christ tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Father, we come before you this morning at the close of this year and the dawning of a new one. We call to mind a year so often marked by tragedy, fear and instability. We call to mind countless lives cruelly stolen through acts of terror across the world. In London, Manchester, Istanbul, Somalia, Egypt, Las Vegas, and Kabul. Father, may we not become so desensitized that we forget the human cost from such attacks. Families left behind, shattered by the loss of loved ones. An empty chair at the dinner table. An empty desk in a school or an office. 2017 again witnessed thousands of people on the move, fleeing their homes in search of sanctuary, for a haven from violence and prejudice. 
from bombs and bullets. From the Rohingya Muslims in Myanmar to the ongoing movement towards Europe, to escalating violence in the Democratic Republic of Congo, to humanitarian crisis on an unimaginable scale in Yemen. Father, may we not close our eyes and ears to their suffering. We pray also for the countries who receive refugees and ask that you would bless them with the resources to support and care for those who arrive each day, exhausted and traumatized by their experiences. We pray also for the many who have lost loved ones and livelihoods for natural disasters this year, particularly across Central and Northern America, for communities washed away in the floods of hurricanes, for homes raised to the ground through earthquake and fire. Remember also the tragedy of Grenfell Tower in June this year and ask that you would continue to comfort and hold families and communities for whom that horrific night will forever be etched in their memories. Father, as political shifts and instability have reverberated through America, Zimbabwe, Spain and Venezuela this year, we are acutely aware that here in Northern Ireland, we too are living in the shadow of uncertainty. Yet we take comfort in the knowledge that you are above all human governments and leaders. We ask for courage and humility for our elected representatives. We pray that point scoring and blaming would be replaced by a united desire to achieve what is truly best for the people of Northern Ireland. Father, your son taught us to pray and to never lose heart. And yet there are times that wear us down and we feel faint-hearted. We feel weary and close to giving up. And there are times, Lord, when we lose hope and give up. Yet in the vast darkness of our world, you are the light which can never be overcome. And so may we, as your people here on earth, be the bearers of that light every day, that we would do what we have been created to do and to shine for you. In times of darkness, may we be the light of love, in times of fear, may we be the light of courage. In times of loss, may we be the light of compassion. God, it is not just for those in need. It is also for justice that we cry out at the start of a new year. We plead for those who cannot speak up for themselves. We stand with those whose rights have been violated. We seek peace with justice for those who need both. And we pray for justice for those who are weakest. Father, at the close of this year and the dawning of a new one, we give you thanks for the times that we have so often seen your mercy and compassion at work. And pray in faith and expectation, knowing that you will continue to work. We thank you for your justice at work in this world. We thank you for your hand of protection. We thank you for your mercy that you pour out on the one who is lonely, the one who is anxious, and the one who the world has cast aside. Father, in your mercy and faithfulness, we pray all these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.